ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome to the 28th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we will go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, it was another wild week in sports during one of the best sports months of the year. And as usual, I would discuss the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that dominated this past week's news, as well as the events of the week that I attended, mixed with some leftovers from last week's Children's Miracle Network Hospitals Classic Golf Tournament at Disney World that I covered. Well, my highlight of the week is, without a doubt, last night's epic World Series win by the Cardinals over the Rangers, easily one of the greatest World Series games ever played. The Cards came back from two runs down in both the bottom of the ninth and the bottom of the tenth, and each time with two outs and two strikes, meaning the Rangers were twice one strike away from winning the World Championship, a feeling we are familiar with up here in Boston. Uh, and here, I thought the hands-down highlight of the week had to be the Michigan State Hail Mary pass to beat Wisconsin. And, you know, uh, David Freeze, what he did last night was utterly remarkable, a two-run triple to tie it in the bottom of the ninth, followed by a walk-off home run in, uh, in the bottom of the 11th. And he's a St. Louis native, and I'm sure he's uh, nominated for sainthood in uh, St. Louis right now. And again, just amazing. I think the Cardinals came back a total of five times in that game. So remarkable and cannot wait until game seven tonight. That's just going to be terrific. And, uh, and on the other end of the baseball spectrum is this week's low light, which is the continued wallowing of Red Sox fans and media in the September collapse. I got first-hand evidence of this last night when I attended a Boston Globe event titled Inside the Claps, featuring three of the newspaper's writers who have been covering uh, the claps. There were hundreds of fans in attendance and 90 minutes of question and answer that could have gone on for hours and hours, if not days. So with new Red Sox uh, GM Ben Charrington now in place, Theo's in Chicago, uh, with the Cubs, uh, it is really time to move on, and again, last night I saw both ends of the uh, what's good and what's bad about baseball, and pretty fascinating to say the least. My bizarre sports story of the week is the continued national fixation on Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski's photo with adult film actress B.B. Jones wearing Gronk's Pats jersey. The photo was rated PG. Gronk is in his early 20s. He admitted he was wrong by dragging the Pats brand into the photo, i.e. the jersey, and he was apparently admonished by owner Bob Kraft for doing so. But all in all, a mild mistake that needs to go away, and hopefully uh, 
Gronk has a big game in Pittsburgh on Sunday, like he did last year when he had three touchdowns, and uh, and that will cause it to go away. <clears throat> and now on to another event of the week, which was on uh, Monday night when Comcast Sportsnet New England hosted a Sticks and Stones night of Bruins talk, featuring Bruins enforcer Sean Thornton. Sean is one of the most interesting athletes I've ever heard. He truly seems to get it better than almost any that I have ever encountered. He is the heart and soul of the Stanley Cup champs, and his following comments tell you why, starting with how he prepares for a game and his role as the enforcer. I try to prepare the same way, but it's uh, not going to lie. It's a lot easier if there's nobody over there. I mean, you're not worried about getting punched in the face. Um, and most days, I, even if there's someone over there, I don't think about fighting. I really think about playing hockey. The fighting is always takes care of itself, and you can spend a ton of energy if you're thinking about who you have to fight. I mean, everyone's human, right? You get nervous and you worry. Uh, so I really just focus on playing hockey. But, I mean, when we were playing Toronto, I saw the lineup. I, I, I knew I was going to, I hadn't been in one. And you kept on telling me I hadn't been in one 92 games or something. I think Calder like also told you that. That wasn't just me. It was a chorus. I'll pass the rock. He's not up there. Uh, so, yeah, so I mean, I, I drink a lot of coffee. I get to the rink really early. I have a pretty intense uh, warm up workout. Uh, you see me running up and down the hall so uh, I, I listen to a lot of loud music and uh, pretty quiet before games, which is probably news to you too, but uh, pretty in the zone, getting prepared for it. So there's a good peek inside the psyche of uh, Bruins enforcer Sean Thornton as he, uh, as he prepares on game day. And you wonder where this type of uh, uh, background comes from. And here's uh, Sean talking about how he learned his work ethic growing up. My dad probably beat it into me when I was a kid a little bit. <laughs> I played a bad game. And, no, if I, uh, if I didn't work hard, it didn't matter if I played good or bad. If I didn't work hard, I heard about it. I probably sat in the back seat so he couldn't reach me. Um, if he had to drive three hours to watch me play hockey and missed a day at work and I didn't play hard, I heard about it, that's for sure. Um, but I, I've had jobs. I've had real jobs. I've uh, slugged out the miners for nine years and got 35, 45, 50 grand. And, you have a mortgage, and I mean, it sucks. You're not making, you're not saving anything. You're traveling, uh, you're riding buses the whole time. So I, I appreciate where I am, and I don't want to go back to where I was. I want to stay here as long as possible. So I guess that's probably where it comes from. And the Bruins lost last night to the Montreal Canadiens at the uh, at the Garden here in Boston, and uh, clearly they seem to be exhibiting a bit of a Stanley Cup hangover, a much-discussed topic over the last couple months, and unfortunately uh, seems to be coming to reality here in Boston so far. They play the Canadians again tomorrow night uh, up in Montreal this time. And uh, here's Sean Thornton's views on, uh, on the Stanley Cup hangover and what he thinks the outlook is. Doing the cup, and I know that's, everyone talks about the hangover, blah, blah, blah. I think... We're not playing as good as we could be, uh, and it's at the start of the season, so it's going to be brought up. Um, I mean, I, I, know on a, I can't talk to everyone else, but I know on a personal level, I actually feel really good on the ice, so it's not that anyone's out of shape or uh, and I feel refreshed, so I'm not mentally fatigued. I think on, 
know, this is going to sound like a cop but also there's a couple bounces we could have won that last game. We're having completely different conversations. Now we're back to our record's a little bit better. I think uh, there's definitely some games we didn't play as well as we needed to, the home opener being one of them, which I think we get a pass on. Uh, the San Jose game, I thought, honestly, we hit like three posts and two crossfires or whatever it is. I think the number keeps on getting bigger in my head, justified. But, uh, I think we played hard, and I think we easily could have won that game. And I, I think if we keep getting better like this, and we're going to be, we're, I know we're going to be fine. It's just uh, we're going to have to try and get, try and create some more bounces, I guess. So there you have it from Sean Thornton, uh, truly one of the good guys in all of sports, uh, while at the same time being one of the uh, scariest guys, shall we say, or uh, to other players in the National Hockey League. Not a person to mess with, and. It'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow night in Montreal. The Bruins are talented. Pretty much everybody back from last year's Stanley Cup championship. And uh, at some point, they're going to have to put this uh, slow start to rest. And uh, we'll see if tomorrow night's going to be the night. And moving on, leftover from last week is the first round of the Children's Miracle Network Hospitals Classic Golf Tournament at Disney World that I covered. Uh, It was in the shadow of the Magic Kingdom on the spectacular Palm and Magnolia courses at Disney. Uh, Some of you may have watched it on television over the weekend. And after uh, the first day, James Driscoll, a Boston area native, held a press conference as he shot out of the gate as the early leader on the first day. He was one of the first to tee off, so it was about midday uh, last week last Thursday, and uh, so he shot a 66, and he had interestingly entered the tournament right on the money earnings cut line at 120, ranked 125 in the world, and the top 125 retain their PGA Tour card for next year. So uh, the talk to James coming off the course was fascinating, to say the least, especially as he was uh, carting home uh, 66, and here's what he had to say about what it was like being on the PGA Tour card cut line at 125. Look at 125 as that special of a number. I mean, the guys at 120 through 190 are kind of all in the same position. Everyone needs a good week this week. Every, every one of those guys needs a good week this week to avoid Q school. So I don't think the position I'm in is any different than about 40 other guys here. So, um, And plus, I've known all along that the money that I have up to this point isn't going to be enough. I've known that for the last couple months, so I've kind of been under the same pressure for the last month. Um, from Vegas up till now, I'm trying to, you know, make a few dollars and get out of this position, and I obviously haven't done it, but, um, you know, hopefully things will start coming together. Well, and... Uh after the tournament, uh, or during that press conference, he talked about how he would feel after the tournament if he... Uh, if he made the cut at 125 or lower. I mean, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, I just want to play as well as I can. Anything inside the top 125 would be great. I'd be leaving town with a smile on my face, no question. And we're happy to report that James Driscoll did indeed leave with a smile on his face because he finished the tournament tied for 12th at 11 under, and he retained his card for next year by finishing the season, ranked 114th on the money list. So uh, good for James, and uh, he has an interesting game. He's been around on the tour for a few years, someone I've watched given his Boston roots, and uh, look forward to watching him more. And the tournament was terrific. There were also plenty of celebrity athletes participating, and uh, 
And bringing the conversation back to baseball, I spoke with uh, two players who had this to say as we prepare for tonight's seventh game of the World Series. Uh, the first is Johnny Damon. Uh, could I get your uh, thoughts on the May on the Rays' amazing comeback this year in well, September? Yeah, well, it was an amazing team, a team that stuck together, a team that uh, enjoyed each other's company, and uh, we knew we had a long shot to make it, but with the uh, um, fall of the Red Sox and the um, strong will that our team had, uh, we won over a bunch of fans and uh, a bunch of hearts, especially in the Central Florida area. Absolutely. And quick thoughts on the World Series? Well, uh, St. Louis is up one nothing, um, so they definitely have the edge, but Texas offense uh, is very scary, so I'll, I'll watch out for them. And uh, following up Johnny Damon, I had the opportunity to talk with his teammate, B.J. Upton, and here's, here were uh, B.J.'s comments. This is John Inglesby here with B.J. Upton of the Tampa Bay Rays. And B.J., I'd love to ask you about the Rays' amazing September, which I watched, based in Boston. Uh, yeah, it was, um, you know, we played well. You know, the guys really came together, and, um, you know, we stuck together when, when a lot of people thought we couldn't do it, and uh, we persevered, man, and then came back and, and made it fun. It was a remarkable September, to say the least. And what are your quick thoughts on the uh, World Series? Um, you know, it's going to be a tough series. Uh, you know, a good buddy of mine, Edward Jackson's pitching, so I'd like to see him do well, and, and uh, hopefully, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen, So, but I'm definitely pulling for him. One terrific, and one more question. Uh, what do you see with the Tampa Bay Rucks out on the horizon with the Tampa Bay Rays uh, going forward? You know, we got everybody coming back. We're a young team, and... Uh, we're a very close-knit group, so um, you know I think uh, we're going to do well. I think we're going to be right, right back to where where we finished up this year. Hopefully, um, you know it finishes a little bit better than it did this year. And it was great to talk to uh, both Johnny and BJ standing in the sunshine at uh, in uh, at Disney World, particularly since uh, I'm looking at snow on the ground here in Boston as we speak and. I enjoy talking to them for the simple reason that uh, there's a such a fixation and focus on the Red Sox claps. The lost in all of that is the Rays' amazing September comeback. Uh, equally, equally as uh, compelling in my mind as as the Red Sox claps, uh, except on the positive side. So uh, again, you know, great to talk to those guys. Uh, you know, watch out for the Rays next year. They've got a good organization going, and I was very impressed at the number of Tampa Bay Ray fans in the gallery at the golf tournament. Uh, you, you know, a lot of a lot of energy surrounding these guys, and uh, David Price also participated. So, uh, so it was just a terrific event. And uh, with that said, uh, as my former co-host Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break. internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemont Williams. Each week, join Lemont as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Well, it's that time of the show when we often have guests joining us. And on the line is Mike Gins, Executive Director of the Cannonball Foundation, a baseball organization that teaches kids to swing for the fences, as they like to say. And the foundation celebrated its first anniversary with a great event that I attended Wednesday evening in Boston. And welcome, Mike, and I can't think of a better topic today than providing baseball opportunities to youth after watching an awesome showcase game for the sport last night, setting up, of course, Game 7 tonight. Uh, how are you doing? Hey, John, thanks so much for having me. I, uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah, last night's game was unbelievable. I, I definitely did not stay up for all of it uh, this morning, but my uh, kids and I were up early this morning to see what happened in uh I mean, the, the amazement in their eyes and mine, too, just watching how that game ended. I mean, I, I think that really kind of, as I was watching, it was kind of really exemplified kind of what we were talking about at market uh, the other night at the event, just kind of the, the highs and lows of, of life and baseball kind of and sports imitating life. So it was really great to see, and I'm excited for Game 7. Yes, me too, and it's interesting because uh, when we were talking on Wednesday night uh, and talking about you, of course, coming on the show, uh, I know I referenced a few times, uh, which, believe me, uh, was looking shaky about yeah. five different times last night that I referenced, uh, oh, it'll be great to have you on. It'll be perfect. You'll be on the, the day of Game 7, and I, I know I repeated that a few times, and uh, lo and behold, it has turned out that way, but uh, let's get to your foundation. Uh, let me ask you first, Mike, what inspired you to start the foundation? Well, you know, it, uh, I, I read a lot of baseball history books and sports history books, um, mostly baseball, and I had, had gotten into this bend, bend of reading a lot of the Negro League history about Gibson, Josh Gibson, and 
and uh, about the, the, uh, the this book in the Shadow of the Senators that kind of talked about uh, the teams down there using the major league parks while some of these failing major league teams were out on the road, and that the Negro League teams were were uh, outpacing them and in terms of revenue, and that's what the owners loved. And so it just started made me think about uh, you know with New England being such a, a baseball hub and. There had to be some teams around here, and I just did a whole bunch of research, and I tracked down uh, all this information about all these great Negro League teams that were around Boston for the early part of the 1900s to past World War II. And one gentleman in particular, uh, Cannonball Jackman, this greatest pitcher who sometimes is referred to as the greatest, pit, the greatest yet least known pitcher ever, uh, who they think is better than Satchel Paige and you know better than Gibson and and all these and Cy Young. I mean, even so. That that spurred the interest in in uh, that, and then it, I met my uh, my partner Mike Shell, who's who kind of talked about doing it into, into some kind of youth development and how we could use uh, the legacy of the ne- the Negro League players, particularly Jackman, who had this wonderful story of of being a great pitcher on the field and and then off the field, kind of being this great leader in the community and kind of helping breaking down barriers and and bringing communities together. So we kind of rolled it into a historical. Uh, project and, and into baseball youth development and helping kids uh, get to where they want to go. Well, that's a terrific description. And, uh, you know, again, I was very impressed by everything I came across with your organization, particularly because, uh, you know, with, the, with in recent years, there's been a lack of inner city youth playing Major League Baseball, uh, as we all know, uh, let alone actual stars uh, in the game. You know, I think of Torrey Hunter being... Uh, both a star and someone from, I believe, the inner city who, you know, I know it's a subject near and dear to his heart. But, uh, Absolutely it is. So, so I think your foundation is, go- is addressing that, you know, uh, very interesting topic. Yeah, we are. We're t- you know, we've reached out to a lot of community uh, agencies and, and organizations, um, the RBI program in Boston, and um, just trying to figure out, you know, I, I, as I mentioned the other night, you know, Bud Seeley had asked that question for over 30 years, why why this generation seems to have been lost, and, and no one can really figure it out. So, you know, we're, we're on that path, too, asking the questions and trying to find the services that can go around with that. And, and we're finding that a lot of it is just about getting the word out there and providing, showing kids that baseball is a great sport and, and you know, that it has not just the potential, you know, not everyone's going to make the major leagues, but you can you can really make a career out of it through college, and you know, and if you're that good, even after college, and, and some of the many vast leagues around, semi-professional, even in the lower minor leagues, where you can use that to to uh, you know that leverage, you get an education out of it, and and really achieve the dreams that that a lot of these kids right now, you know, unfortunately, and especially in this economy, really, you know, a lot of those dreams have kind of been put on hold or felt like you know they're impossible to reach. But you know, we feel with the programs that we have that provide the kids access to college coaches and to, to kind of mentor them at the little league level and then with our prospects team at the high school level to to kind of give them the opportunity to showcase their abilities um, to college scouts uh, at tournaments, you know, that they're really going to get a good shot at, at, at using baseball as a vehicle to get where they want to go. Yeah, and, you know, uh, on that note, Mike, uh... You know, I noticed where there were obviously a lot of uh, college coaches and coaches in general. I know the Chelsea High School baseball coach was there. The Holy Cross baseball coach was there. Of course, uh, Michael Schell, uh, 
who also works with you at the Cannonball Foundation and who I met the other night was there. And I know he coaches baseball at a private school here in Boston and uh, in the Boston area. Yeah. So talk about, uh, can, can you talk a bit about how you connect college players and youth leagues? Sure, yeah. Well, what we do is we, we've reached out to a lot of local colleges uh, here uh, around. And, and, you know, me being from Worcester and Mike went to Holy Cross, so, uh, so that was a good connection there. And, oh, yeah. and then at UMass Boston, um, we reached out to them, and we uh, have some feelers out to the other uh, coaches that you know they want to give back to the community. And what they're doing is they're coming in to a facility either on their in their campus or where we find a, a facility, and they bring their coaches and their uh, couple players is what Coach Desenzo from Holy Cross did, and they spend a couple hours with the kids, kind of teaching them the fundamentals of baseball. And they also are kind of engaging the parents at the same time because a lot of these parents are also the coaches there. And there's this whole component that we're kind of putting in there as well as letting the coaches see these, see these skills and drills and, and learn how to coach the kids so they keep the kids interested in the game and showing them the strategies, the fundamentals. But also what's interesting about, especially with Coach Desenzo, is that during these sessions, you know, he's talking to the kids about baseball, how to field the ground ball, the mechanics of it. But he's also talking to them about the life lessons about baseball, about staying in school, doing well in school, why it's important, you know, why baseball and education, why they overlap, and, and how that can really help them. So it's kind of this, you know, if you want to call it a, a, a holistic approach, you know, for lack of a better term, I guess, to kind of just really show that, we're not, it's not just skills and drills. Those kind of mirror what you need to do in life. You know, in order to get you get from point A to point B, it's not going to happen automatically. You got to put the work into it if you want to do it, and that and that's no exception whether it's baseball or if it's you're going from job to job or from from high school to college. So we want to get that message instilled early. We want them to know that baseball can really help you with that. And you know, the coaches have been really really receptive to the program. They love the idea of coming back. Giving back to the communities where they are, uh, UMass Boston, you know, loves going back out in back into Boston as well as Holy Cross, which I think uh, Coach D. Desenzo mentioned the other night about. It, 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 there's a spirit of giving back at these places, and, and we're harnessing that. Absolutely, and another area of your uh, of your foundation is the Cannonball Prospects. Uh, you know, which are some of the talent, most talented players, and they get the opportunity to uh, play in some showcase tournaments. Can you talk a bit about that? Sure, I'd, lo- I'd love to. The, yeah, the, the prospects is a kind of a unique, unique thing. I mean, in this day and age, you know, there's a lot of pay-to-play, and, and these showcase tournaments are an opportunity for kids uh, to play in front of college coaches. And there's traveling teams. You'll see we saw some from Long Island, uh, New York this year. They travel for the whole summer. But, but the thing with these showcase tournaments is that they cost a lot of money. I mean, they're at least seven, $800 just to enter. And then there's the transportation, and there's all the costs of the uniforms and all these things. So that's really kind of right there, cutting out a whole slice of kids that have great baseball talent. And, and it goes a little, and for us at, at Cannonball, it, it goes beyond the baseball talent. We want these kids to be good citizens. They've got to be good in school and you know good in their community we we you know we appreciate the talent but it's a total package for us there and what we're doing with those kids we put them we we establish our prospects team and we we subsidize the cost for them to play in these tournaments so they don't have to worry about paying the seventy seven hundred and fifty dollars you know the entry fee 
when you break it out, it can be up to you know over hundreds of dollars for them to enter transportation, uh, uniform fees, all anything that can go along with all this. We're subsidizing that cost for them, so they can go out there and all they have to do is take advantage of the opportunity, the big stage that we're putting them on in front of college coaches from around the country. Uh, when we were at our tournament in Worcester, they were coaches from the big schools, the Virginia Techs, some of the other Big East schools. But then the other opportunities that are out there are these other great institutions, most a lot of them right here in New England, that might be, you know, a Division two or Division three school. Um, they'll get a chance to play baseball and get a great education. So when they leave, they're fully prepared. So, you know, we're kind of unique in that way where we're baseball, yes, and we want the college-able player. But we want the, we want the good student and we want the good citizen as well on our team. Well, that's terrific, and uh, hard to believe, but we're starting to bump up against our break. Uh, I don't know if there's anything you'd like to add as we close out here. Uh, I do. I want to add that your uh, website is www.thecannonballfoundation, all one word, dot org. And uh, yeah, why don't you just wrap it up and uh, you know give us give us some take home messages about. Uh, about the Cannonball Foundation. Well, thanks. Yeah, I'd love to. You mentioned the website, thecannonballfoundation.org. For, for donation $75, what that does, that provides a, a prospect player, pays for one prospect player to get out there on the field, gives them that opportunity to reach their dreams. I hope the, your listeners there will take an opportunity to read the website, make a donation, uh, sponsor a player. It's a really great program. The leaders in the lineup having an impact on the on the kids in the little league age, keeping them interested in the game, keeping them focused on school and how to be a better person and be a better citizen in their community. That's what we're all about, leadership, legacy, character development, and being responsible for yourself and being a responsible member uh, of the community. We can really use your support. There's a lot of great kids out in the, in the Boston and Worcester communities where we work that can use your, use your help. So uh, I, I hope that you'll, you'll take a look at the website and support us and and volunteer or whatever you can do. We could really use your help, and, and the kids could too. So I just want to thank you again, John. It was, it was great meeting you, and I really appreciate the time. Oh, and I appreciate you uh, inviting me into your event. It was great. I was very impressed with uh, the quality of the people that I met, the, all the people, especially uh, you know, on the baseball side. They were uh, the, the, These guys clearly get it. They get, they get what sports is all about and, uh, and the opportunities that it can create. For, uh, for for kids and again I look forward to keeping in touch and you know following your organization closely and once again I want to thank you for coming on Mike and uh, we we'll hope to have you again on again sometime uh, next year and I think this World Series this whole postseason in general is a great launching pad as you head into next year absolutely we're going to take advantage of it don't, don't, don't get me wrong so I really appreciate it so much John my pleasure, and now it's time for our break, and joining us next will be our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. The revolution has begun with Jim and Trav. Listen this week as Randall Eden, Shannon Young, Josh Fleming, and Joe Hosmer tell us why it's important to get our kids in the outdoors. Plus, Cat Daddy will have some catfishy tips, and Nick Rhodes has a new twist on wildlife management you'll want to hear. This is sponsored by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com. 
Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Do you think that all of the generic financial information you get every day is hard to navigate? You need to tune in to Duffy's Financial Playbook. Every weekend, Andreas Duffy will help you filter out this information and turn it into wisdom that you can really use. Be informed about the financial decisions you're about to make instead of just blindly making decisions. Andre's connections in the business and professional sports world will help you so you don't need to worry about your financial success. Tune in to Duffy's Financial Playbook, Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net and joining us on the line now is our weekly call-in expert Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post Barry, how you doing today? I'm doing well, John, how are you? Good, uh, if, you're, if you're like me you might be a, a little bit sleep deprived I stayed up and watched every last pitch last night as well as the post game of course uh and then still couldn't get to sleep. That was such an exhilarating game. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's it's funny. I uh, I think about this time last week. I was talk, talking in a, in a way that maybe was a little disparaging about the World Series, about baseball in general, about you know, overmanaging and all these different things. But you know, you you, you get a game like you got last night. Um, you know, I, I think we can put it in, in the category of Houston classics. I mean, how many times were the Rangers on the cusp? In that, I mean, how many times and how much of the night did it look like we we're going to see a, a coronation for the Texas Rangers? Uh, you know, being one strike away, two strikes away, three, four different times, uh, looking like they were going to close it out, and you know, it, the, the Cardinals just showing the what what that what has gotten them, them to this point. You know, the 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 the, the, the never say die, the you know, the, the determination, the. You know, Cinderella, whatever you want to call it. I mean, this, this game just had everything, and the way it ended was just uh, unbelievable. And uh, you know, harkening uh, back to uh, uh, Game Six of the World Series of another era, um, which, by the way, uh, 25 years ago uh, earlier this week was the uh, anniversary of the uh, the Bill Buckner play against the Mets in 1986. But um, you know, that was a great Game Six. But this Game Six uh, is right up there, I think, in 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 the annals of World Series history. So now, suddenly, we have a Game 7 uh, that we really were didn't think we were going to see for most of last night. You know, But from the way the Cardinals played, they obviously thought that there was going to be a Game 7. So now it comes down to one game, and uh, and we'll see where the chips fall. I mean, uh, you got uh, uh, Carpenter, who was the ace of the Cardinals. There's no question about that. On three days rest, which may be an issue, uh, going as Matt Harrison, who uh, obviously easily the biggest game of his career, sure, uh, biggest game of his life, obviously, you know, pitch game seven of the World Series, that will trump uh, any time, uh, any other place that you may be in your baseball life. So uh, 
we'll we'll see how that falls. It, it should be a great game. And, you know, if you're, if you're looking uh, if you're looking for momentum, you know, if you're going to go with momentum, obviously it, it turned the Cardinals' way in a big way. Uh, but you know, one game, it, everything else is kind of out, realistically everything else is kind of out the window. You know, you know granted, you're going to have the uh, the Cardinals fans going nuts tonight. You're going to have a, a, quite a scene there in St. Louis. But um, you know, one game, anything can happen. It really can. Absolutely. Well, what fascinated me about last night's game, in contrast to the Bill Buckner game 25 years ago, is the back-and-forth nature of it. And by that I mean, you know, uh, Josh Hamilton, you know, who I really like and uh, what he's all about and, and his comeback, uh, you know, hitting the two-run homer. So I'm thinking, okay, this is it. This is a, a baseball immortality. And then David Freeze, which I just thought was unbelievable when for him to do that in the bottom of the ninth uh you, you know uh tied up with a two-run triple one two strikes incredible and then you know adrian beltre and uh nelson cruz with homers and then uh you know the cards come back again highlighted by again i, I don't know when i've watched them at bat that was more compelling than Lance Berkman's at bat i mean you know this side of david freeze's ninth inning at bat right. um you know, so uh, the contrast is simply, you know, the Red Sox had the lead in 86, and then they just, you know, fell apart, and the Mets came back, and they won. That's it. It, it was unforgettable, to be sure. But last night, you know, the Rangers lost, but they performed. You, you know, there was a reason the Cubs or the Cardinals had to keep coming back from behind, because the Rangers were showing up big time in the ninth and 10th as well, oh, which absolutely. I just thought is what lifted it over the top to perhaps the greatest game ever played and certainly one of the easily in the, on the short list uh that's undisputed yeah i i would agree with that i would agree with that completely and uh, you know you can you can you know we could talk about the you know the fly ball the right field that nelson cruz possibly may have misplayed you know you know might he have uh, tried a little harder to catch it you know kind of a kind of corner between you know maybe but you know i think when you when you look at the big picture you know you can you can definitely put it right up there with, uh, you know, like we said before, instant classics, one of the greatest uh, games you'll ever see. And you know, certainly for this generation, uh, they'll remember it for that. So, uh, yeah, it was just, just great drama. And, you know, again, this is, this is why we love sports. This is why we watch sports for these types of moments. And, you know, when you get a game like this or you get a situation like this with uh, two teams with all, everything on the line, the whole season on the line, uh, defining moments of careers. It, it doesn't really doesn't get any better than that. No, it really doesn't. And you know, it it does appear that you know Nelson Cruz did pull up at the last moment when it first came off the bat. I wasn't thinking hit. I, I just wasn't, especially because they were playing. You know, the uh, the doubles prevent defense. And uh, you, you know, again, you talk about mo- how moments can you know impact. Uh, not only you know a postseason, but a career, and by that I mean, look what happened to Buckner and how his career is forever impacted. And here we have Nelson Cruz, one of the greatest postseasons in Major League history. I think he has eight home runs to tie him for the all-time lead in postseason home runs uh, in baseball history. And you know he single-handedly carried them out, you know carried the Rangers past the Tigers. But yet here we are today, and. This is, you know, he is wearing, you know, perhaps wearing the goat horns. Uh, tough to say, you know, 
and I'm hearing some stuff today about potential groin injury or whatever, and he was limping noticeably last night. I don't know if he had a groin injury before the play or if the play caused the possible groin injury. A little gray area today, but certainly a subject that will be examined and re-examined many times over. But uh, let's just say, you know, everything he's done in this postseason, you know, is now lost for the moment in all of this. But the good news is he uh, has a chance to to change it tonight, and uh, as does every other player on both teams. Uh, you know, so it just should be incredible. Uh, you know, and nobody loves their baseball like St. Louis, so I just can't wait to see that, especially on a Friday night. You know, finally, kids can stay up late to watch it. Yeah, how about that, right? You know, we, we yeah. always talk about how, you know, uh, w- one of the big criticisms of, of, you know, of what the World Series has become is that, you know, the games are played at night. Granted, uh, you know, they, they made a little bit of improvement. I remember the games, you know, for a time were all starting at 837 or whatever it was, but now at least 805, you know, it makes it a little bit easier. Uh, of course, if you have an 11 inning game like you did last night, that all that goes out the window. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's an opportunity certainly for, uh, for maybe a lot more people to watch the game than, then wouldn't have had to watch otherwise. Not a school day, not a school night, not a work night. So, uh, so yeah, you have that, and you know, it's it's, it's quite a scene in in St. Louis. And I think we've mentioned this before on the show. Uh, St. Louis is one of it's just one of those places where you know it's it is it's clearly a baseball town. I mean, you know, you can make a case for you know for a lot of towns that we're very familiar with. You know, New York, Boston, Philadelphia, et cetera, being great sports towns, and they all are. But there may, but I agree, there may be no baseball town like St. Louis. It's one of the few places where you can walk around the day of the game, uh, everyone's wearing red, and everyone's saying, you go to the game tonight, you go to the game tonight, and, you know, it's, it's they're, they're, they, they love their baseball, they're into their baseball, it's, it's part of their life there, and, uh, and they're going to get a game seven, and, you know, the, the beautiful thing about, about a game seven is, you kind of touch on what you said before, you know, you, know, you look at the guys with, uh, with goat horns on their heads, you know, maybe Nelson Cruz after last night, maybe some other guys, but, you know, that all is forgotten. If you know, say Nelson Cruz goes five for five tonight with three home runs, gets named MVP, the Texas wins the World Series. You forget about Game Six. So you know it all comes down to one game, and it's all it's all about nine innings tonight. Maybe maybe more than nine innings, but it it all comes down to what happens tonight, and it's an equalizer, one game season for for everything. So it it, it should be something to watch. Yes, and what makes. Uh... St. Louis completely unique from in my mind from every other baseball town in America and potentially every other sports town sports following in America is it's unconditional love they love that team and they're nice about it you know there's no booing like we'll see up here in the northeast with the with these teams uh you you know it's not like the cubs because you know they there's certainly not the history of losing there is in fact a tremendous winning tradition so there's serious baseball fans it's not about the party at the at the stadium so to speak it's more about you know going to the game and they're knowledgeable uh but at the end of the day it is unconditional love between that fan base and that team and a completely completely uh you know nice way i mean they're just you know they don't uh they're not edgy <clears throat> like up here in the northeast well, and you know, uh yeah, right. i i just think it's a joy to behold i just couldn't have been more happy for those fans being able to witness perhaps the greatest game ever played and then 
I can only imagine what St. Louis must be like today. I mean, the the buzz must just be off the charts. The you, you know, the, if ever a city deserved a seventh game, it's that city. And you know, with this team and their amazing comebacks at September September first, uh, you know, just utterly remarkable. So I I just think it's. Uh, you know, it's, it's a celebra- You know, it's just a celebration of baseball. It's an exclamation point on what has been a spectacular postseason. You and I have been a bit down on baseball at points throughout this year, this summer, but uh, I guess all's well that ends well. And no matter what happens tonight, it's 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 ended well. We have a game seven. Absolutely, and you know, uh, you know, yeah, and, and for St. Louis too. You know, you. Yeah, they, and I agree with you. They do have a reputation. Uh, that city has a reputation for, for for having really, really good fans. And you know, uh, and if they were to win tonight, you know, I, I certainly I can't imagine you know any lunatics going out and, and turning you know setting cars on fire or anything like that. I just I just don't see St. Louis in a town that would that that would happen in because uh, they're just they're just they're, they're, everybody's kind of on the same page there. They all live and die with for their Cardinals. So yeah, I agree with you. And uh, you know, we have the first game seven since two thousand two. So. Uh, It'll be quite a spectacle, spectacle tonight, no matter no matter how it turns out. But yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I think for you know people who are really into their sports, really into baseball, I, I think, and people who really don't have a stake in the series, I would tend to think that most of those people are probably rooting for the Cardinals tonight for many of the reasons that we mentioned. Yeah, I tend to think so, and uh, we're cu- we're coming up against our break here. But I do want to say one of the most interesting. Uh, parts of last night and really throughout the postseason has just been watching Nolan Ryan and last night those shots of him sitting there uh, were, were priceless priceless uh, I, I don't know that I'll ever forget it uh, you know the look on his face at a, at those various cardinal comeback moments uh, including of course the final one with David Fries's walk off uh, absolutely incredible so with that said uh, it's time for our break, and Barry, thankfully, is sticking around with us for uh, our fourth and final segment, so uh, we'll go to our break now. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. The Sports Mavericks show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of Sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouye and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on The Voice. Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. 
That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And still with us on the line is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And, Barry, we're going to talk a little football, and I'm going to start off by saying uh, my favorite headline of the week is was in your, your newspaper oh, really? after Plaxico Burris's three-touchdown performance. The headline read, Plaxico, lethal weapon. Lethal weapon, yeah. yeah we, we've had quite a, quite a run of Plaxico headlines this year from, uh, you know, I, I got no shot and, uh, you know, shot in the dark and, you know, uh, Hired gun, all kinds of stuff. But yeah, um, it's been it's been a uh, it was a fun week for uh, for the Jets last week, and you know uh, a game they had to win. You know a lot of, a lot of critics about uh, in Jets land last week, and some of them have been silenced. I mean they did what they had to do to win, and now they're on a bye, and uh, and now we move forward uh, forward to this week. So we'll uh, we'll see what uh, what this week brings. You know big uh, big game uh, involving. Uh, New England Patriots this week against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, so that should be a lot of fun too. Oh, that's going to be great! You know, I've uh, I've written a couple of articles, first in two thousand one, and then again with a follow up in an oh three oh four time frame uh, on my contention that the Steelers rivalry, Steelers Patriots rivalry since nineteen ninety five. When Drew Bledsoe was stopped at the one-yard line uh, as the Steelers won in Three Rivers Stadium on a quarterback sneak, uh, that it's the best rivalry in the NFL over the course of the last 15, 16 years. And I'm well aware and have attended many, many Colts-Patriots games right here at Gillette Stadium and uh, well aware of that rivalry as well. But again, if you go back 15 years, in my mind, just nothing touches it. You know, we can talk Fog Bowl. In 97, we can talk, uh, you know, when Keevan Henry intercepted Bledsoe on, like, the final play of the game and returned it for a touchdown in a game the Patriots had won, that had already had thought that they had won, that decided home field advantage throughout the playoffs that year. Um, Mike Vrabel um, strip-sacking uh, Bledsoe for a playoff victory in Three Rivers, Cordell Stewart running down the sidelines for a playoff victory in Three Rivers, and on and on. I, I was at the game in 2004, the AFC Championship game, when Brady, with a 103-degree temp, hit Deion Branch with about a 70-yarder on the first play of the game, and uh, Rodney Harrison then had an 83-yard interception right before the end of uh, the first half to seal it. And that's just a sprinkling. That's just off the top of my head. That's with zero research, and, you know, it just goes on and on. With the Steelers back on Halloween Day, I believe, uh, <clears throat> probably for back around 0405, uh, broke the Patriots' NFL record 22-game winning streak in Pittsburgh that day. Uh, again, it just goes on and on and on. Um, so... What do you think about that? Do, 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 you, uh, do you think I have a good case there? Because I still think it exists today. Well, let's, let, let's, let me preface it by saying that, you know, uh, of, of all the people I know, you know, talking about a Steelers-Patriots rivalry, I would, I would certainly d- d- defer to you first, given that uh, you know, the Steelers were your, 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 your team in your younger days, you know, having come from the Pittsburgh area and you know, going now against your, your adopted team, the Patriots. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I will willingly, uh, you know, 
cede the floor to you on all matters of, of uh, Steelers Patriots. But I, and I would agree with that too. I mean, you know, look at the great game. Just, just, the, just the the games you mentioned right off the top of your head. You know, there you go, right there. You know, you know, you would, it would probably be hard to find a, another rivalry where you could just come up with so many instant memories, just as you did in just the past minute talking about. Uh, uh, any other teams uh, in regards to uh, what this what has happened between the Patriots and Steelers? So, you know, yeah, I mean, sir, yeah, sure. I mean, uh, just the, the regular season playoffs, you name it. You know, they're, they're, they have two teams that have usually been on the cusp of, of of doing well at the same time, the same cycles going up at the same time. So, yeah, I mean, uh, and then you would expect. Nothing less uh, for this game. You know, I don't know that the Steelers are as, as, as up as they have been in the past, or maybe the uh, expectations were a little lower for the Patriots now than they were earlier in the season. But, um, you know, certainly the Patriots are, are, are flying high right now. And, uh, yeah, it should, it should be a good one. You know, whenever those two teams get together, it's, it's, uh, it's a great time. It's great theater, and I didn't even mention the most famous game of them all of the last 15 years, uh, arguably, which would be... When the Patriots went down to Pittsburgh and won the uh, 2001 AFC title game, when Brady got hurt, Drew Bledsoe came in, won the game, threw, hit a pass to David Patton, touchdown pass, and that was the famous hotel reservations game. Where and uh, you know Bledsoe got emotional after the game, and I mean, there's you know, and that led right into the uh, next week where the Patriots dynasty was officially launched with. Uh, the victory over the Rams in in the post nine eleven Super Bowl, so it just again goes on and on. And in keeping with all of that, uh, the Patriots dropped a bombshell a couple hours ago when they uh, cut cornerback Lee Bodden. Shocking everybody. Um, and Lee Bodden coincidentally went to Duquesne University, uh, based right in downtown Pittsburgh. Not exactly Pitt or a football school, but they do happen to play in the same league, or play, play my school, St. Francis University of Pennsylvania. So I know Duquesne well, and I followed Lee Bodden's career closely because he is a Duquesne graduate. And uh, But boy, that just shocked everybody 48 hours before game time. Yeah, you usually don't see moves like that so close to uh, before the game. Well, uh, that's, uh, that is indeed interesting. Throws another wrinkle into, uh, into this week, doesn't it? It's incredible. Um, I mean, I, I don't know why. I, I don't know if it's just, you know, I don't know what it is. I, I don't think there's any answers out there as to why, you know. Uh, to my knowledge, Lee Bodden is, is you know, a good guy of good guys. You know, his talents seem to be there. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he simply wasn't doing the job. And if so, it wasn't like there was an outcry. We're not talking John Lackey with the Red Sox here. Right. I don't know if there was an incident. I have no idea. Nobody seems to know yet. Uh, it will come out. It always does. But uh, but still, anyway, you cut it. You know, um, <clears throat> you know, it's a shocker, especially coming off the heels of the bye week. Um, right. You know, we'll see what, if any, impact it has. But you know, I, I my my first question was just simply, you know, why today as opposed to Monday? Uh, you know, you know, if, right. Right. If you if for whatever reason you don't want him on the team for this Sunday, why don't you just wait till Monday or don't want him in the game, shall we say? Well, I'm so, sure yeah, that, that, uh, that, yeah, I'm sure that uh, Coach Belichick will give a uh, very thoughtful, uh, long, long, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, 
long You're... response to that question. You know, uh, he'll, he'll tell, I'm sure he'll give you the blow-by-blow blow of, of, of everything that went on. We're moving forward, as Rob Gronkowski has learned to say from Coach, uh, exactly, from Coach right. Belichick. <laughs> right. uh, or uh, his other line, anybody want to talk about the Pittsburgh game? <laughs> and it will be interesting with all that's gone on with Gronk this week, uh, who is just a beast, by the way. I mean, he's just such a talented player. And, uh, you know, I touched on the, in the opening segment uh, the, the, the B.B. Jones controversy. No, no need to revisit that topic, but it has been uh, made for an interesting week. Put him in the spotlight. He had three touchdowns last year against Pittsburgh. He played high school ball at Woodland Hills uh, in Pittsburgh High School. And he, uh, and Woodland Hills, by the way, uh, as recently as a couple years ago, put more players into the NFL than any high school in America, which warmed my heart, and uh, knowing that uh, Western PA is still producing NFL players out of high school, but uh, so yeah, the spotlight's clearly on Gronk, and Barry, we're down under a minute now, unfortunately, and uh, what, are you, what, are you, what are your closing thoughts? What do you think will happen on Sunday? Yeah, well, I, 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 think, you always, I think you always have to give the nod to a to Don Brady in these situations, although the, the, the Patriots always seem to find a way, and uh, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm not that that high on the Steelers as as I was earlier in the season. Uh, you know, the Ravens took it to them earlier this year, and they've got some they've got some issues of their own too, with some injuries and, and some other things. So, um, yeah, it, it should be a good game, but uh, I'll, I'll 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 take the Patriots this week. I agree. I agree. Tom Brady just seems to have their number at the end of the day. One mitigating factor, the Steel the Patriots embarrassed the Steelers big time last year. And uh one thing I've known from tracking the robbery, there's a distinct back and forth element to the whole thing. So one team seems to win one year, causing uh the next team the other team to win the next year. But with that said, uh as always, thank you for listening to All Around Sports and have a great weekend. And, uh, Barry, thank you again for appearing, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.